Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 88, where in a moment we look at commercial lending with the help of today's guest expert, Alex Drummond of Drummond Finance. That's today's show topic and it's on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we've got an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programs to date, we featured loads of stuff, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at responsible investing. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and with me as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, another guest, this time Alec Drummond of Drummond Finance, here to discuss commercial lending. We'll get into that world in just a second. But first of all, tell us a little bit about you and your background at uh, Drummond Finance, Alex. Hi, John. Thanks for the invite. Uh, So my background is in commercial banking. I spent 20 years in Aberdeen, both as as a relationship manager and then running a team of business banking managers. And I guess I'm old enough, John, that I was one of the traditional guys who was out and about and face to face. And I set up Drummond Finance in 2018, really to get that traditional face to face relationships that I just felt businesses weren't getting. So it was to offer local relationships, access to funding. We've got over 100 funders in our panel and just that knowledge and expertise to provide that lending hand to, to, to help businesses through that process. As if it needs explaining, Alex, Phil is the financial wizard here. He's our resident expert. I'm, I'm just, you know, a gob and a stick. I'm not afraid to ask tough questions as and when they arise in my head. It amazes me, 88 episodes into this podcast, and this is a subject that we have never tackled, or at the very least, devoted an entire show to. So let's get into it with a, a very brief, simple explanation as to what commercial lending is in its most basic form. Okay, well, I mean, in its most basic form, I guess... It, 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 I give you a very basic answer. Commercial lending is exactly what it says on the tin. It's it's, it's, it's lending to anything business-related, John. So that might be limited companies. That might be guys that are self-employed. It might be people who are in employment but maybe running a little property portfolio on the side. And again, for different purposes. So it might be for working capital to support that business or it might be for a specific asset purchase for that for that business or for somebody in that business. So, you know, it is personal, it is it is, it is personal banking, but with commercial rather than rather than personal. Okay. And, and in this sort of brave new post-pandemic world, is the demand for commercial lending still as, as great? I mean, we'll be told everyone wants to work from home, hybrid is the new kid. So is the demand for commercial lending still as high? It is, it is. And you know, unfortunately we've been through a Difficult couple of years for, for everyone, but especially for businesses. So you're in that environment at the moment coming out of the pandemic where, you know, a, a lot of businesses are looking for cash to, to get back to business, to get back to what they've been doing very well for the last 10, 15 or 20 years. And then you have lenders who are nervous 
about what's happened in the past couple of years and maybe nervous about what's coming in the in the, in the next few years. So, so you know, we are in, in in that environment where businesses are continuing to look to raise money. It's maybe for different things than, the, than they were looking for three or four years ago, but there is still a need for that cash in the business. How, how are you finding things in the commercial lending sector at the moment, Alex? Are you finding, is there much appetite from lenders to be lending money just now? It's tough. I mean, it's tough. It, 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 it's, it's, it's tough for all businesses out there, and, and that's reflected in, in appetite. That the lenders are more cautious. They're asking more questions. They're doing more due diligence because of the headwinds that we've potentially facing into and what we've just come out of. So for the lenders, the, the, the lenders are not very good at dealing with something they don't know or understand. And, you know, the pandemic has been new to them. What's the economy going to look like coming out of pandemic is, is, is new to them. And all these headwinds and uncertainty just make it really tough. I guess if it was, if it was easy, then people wouldn't need to come to yeah. a business like myself. And, and that's why we're there to try make that easier in trying to support businesses through that process. I know just now on the, the kind of personal lending, lenders are starting to get a bit nervous. Inflation's high, the cost of living's going up, energy prices, that sort of thing. And also interest rates have been, been rising. Are you finding that rates are going up in the commercial lending sector as well, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, you know, a, a lot of lending is based related. So as, 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 the, as the price of money goes up, you know, the price of everything is going up through inflation and, and including money as a commodity. So the price of that has, has, has been going up. And as you say, all these challenges that the personal client has in terms of fuel, inflation, purchasing power, the businesses have that same issue as well. Yeah. You, you mentioned as well, you deal with like sole traders, limited companies. But what sort of size of companies do you deal with, Alex? Is it a range from like one man band right up to quite big organizations? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that gives the variety to, to, to the role. So, sole traders, partnerships, limited companies, got small deals, we've got multi million pound deals. And, you know, for me, Looking back on my career in commercial banking, a, a, a great part of that is just watching that journey of businesses through that process from startup to growth, expanding. And it's really important that they have, have a lender that supports you because there's different needs in all different parts of that journey. When you're looking at commercial mortgages, Alex, I'm wondering what sort of amount someone can borrow in a commercial mortgage and what the criteria are for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great question, John, because... You know, I'm often asked, how much can I borrow? And, and I guess the question I ask back is, how much do you need? Hmm. I mean, the basic principles do not really differ too much between commercial and personal mortgages in terms of what, 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 can, what do you need and what can you afford? And the lenders, while the lenders will try to be really clever and, 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 and drown the client in gobbledygook and, 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 and fancy, fancy words, basically the questions they're asking themselves is, when am I getting repaid? Mm. And how am I getting repaid? You know, in terms of if you, if you were buying a commercial property versus a residential property, you might get, I don't know where the, where the personal mortgage market is, maybe 85, 95%. I don't know if that's the still sort of deals you're getting. On a commercial side, you're probably looking in the 60s. So, you know, for, for the commercial lender, there is more risk lending against a commercial unit than there is against... You know, a three-bedroom semi-detached. Hmm. So that's reflected in the loan-to-values. 
And then you come back to the principle of terms of what can this business afford to service in terms of the debt. Well, this is, see, this may be my, my stupid question alarm being activated here again. But if you look at this for a moment through that traditional lens, if I was after a mortgage for a house, so for my own personal means, the lender would look at my income against my outgoings and go through their, their calculations to see if I meet their requirements for borrowing. I assume it's broadly the same for a business looking to gain a, a commercial property. But what if I'm a startup? What, what, what are the base income and outgoing against then? Is it just projections? Yeah, yeah. So, so. The startup is, is much more difficult. As, as you're saying, there's no historical figures to go with. While you know, your financial advisor will maybe tell you that past performance is, is no guarantee of future performance, it has a big bearing in, on, on a business lend in terms of what has the business been done, be, be, been doing. Because the reality is every lend is a forecast lend. Well, because you're, basically, you're, you're looking at here's historics and here's what we think we're going to, going to do, which is either continue to do that do better, keep it the same. The, the challenge you've got around the startups is you don't have that historic base to start from. Mm. So yeah, so you need forecasts and then you need these forecasts to be robust. You need these forecasts to be able to be challenged. And, and, and you know, some people maybe don't take kindly to the forecast being challenged, but, but you would expect the forecast to be challenged. Do you get help people to get ready with all that? Kind of things, Alex, or have you got contacts you can put them in for, like business plans and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I very much believe to to stick to what you know and what you're good at. So I'm not an accountant. Yeah. So, you know, I would refer a client to back to the accountant, I'd potentially refer them to somebody like Business Gateway to help them with that business plan and that forecast. But I think what's really important is, and, and I do say this to clients, it is your business plan, it is your forecast, you can go and ask somebody to help you with it. But I think that's different from going and asking somebody, someone to do it. Yeah. You know, and I have found myself sometimes sitting down with a client, asking them to talk me through something in a business plan, in a forecast, and they're like, I don't know, somebody else did that for me. Yeah. There has to be an ownership there. Let, let me let me put this, uh, again, I'm just interested in, the, in the, the concept of a startup when we're talking about projections. Let me put this into some sort of context. Let's say I'm producing gin because everybody seems to be around the corner, around, you know, up the street. Yeah. There, there's always someone making gin. And maybe that's telling off again a little bit, but I need premises to make my gin and I need for you to lend me the money in order to do that so I can go and fund the purchase of or the, the leasing of the premises or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm coming to you. Are my projections made up of, well, you know, gin distiller A, who is two miles away from me, made this last year. Gin distiller B, who's 10 miles away from me, made that. You know, looking at, at, at who would be your competition, a sort of general projection of what you might hope to uh, to make a dent in the market. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, one of the questions, that we, I, I, I believe, John, I believe very firmly that the questions that the lender is asking the client should be the same questions the client is asking themselves. Yeah. Okay, so if you're looking at your forecasts, where have your forecasts come from? Now, if your forecasts have come from, I've worked in this industry for 20 years, I worked for that competitor, I had access to numbers, I know exactly what they did, I know what the market is, I know exactly what the margins are, I've got experience in that sector, that mitigates some of the risk in that forecast. If you're coming to me saying, I'm going to start producing gin because I quite like gin, yeah. And it seems like quite a cool thing to be involved in. Yeah. 
uh, I have no knowledge of the sector, I have no experience, et cetera, et cetera, then that's, you know, when, when you're looking at forecasts next to experience, lack of experience, then how robust are these financials going to be, right? Because the forecasts are the forecasts, whatever, can't change that. But how do you mitigate some of the risk in there? And again, yeah. some of that will come back to the experience of the person, the reliability of the person that, you, that, that you've got in front of you. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those sort of classic situations. And again, it's here's a booze one, but it's, you know, I've sat on that side of the bar for long enough. I think I might quite like to buy one. Yeah. yeah. And again, with the DAF one, perhaps, if, if more and more people are attempting to work from home, and let's say I'm, in this instance, now I'm a sewing machinist. I haven't taken gin on the same day, so we're safe. But I want to be home-based more. And to do that, I've got to build an extension in the back of my home, which will be solely for work purposes. Can I apply for a commercial mortgage in order to do that? Okay, so so the short answer is yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? there's nothing to stop you applying for a commercial mortgage. Right. Whether you will get one or not is a different question, right? So here's the long answer. <laughs> I think it would be a bit more difficult. I think I think one of, the, one of the big factors you need to take account of, if you're putting this extension on the back of your house, right? Okay. Does your house have a mortgage? Right. Right. Do you have a mortgage lender? And that mortgage lender has security over that building and that land, that extension is going on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, do you have, are you allowed to do it? Do you have permission from a lender? Do you have planning permission? Do you have permission from the neighbors? Right. Do you have to split the house title? I think there's a lot of conversations that have to happen before, before you get to a point where it's actually, yeah, the commercial lending can do that so in principle yes you can <laughs> right but there are a lot of different yeah. boxes i think you've got to tick and you know again if i come back to the loan to value you know if you if you have a, have a wander down the, down the local high street you will see more empty shops than potentially if you all walk down around the neighborhood you'll see more empty houses right and that is because there is less demand for commercial property than there is residential. So if you put in a commercial site in the back of your house, how saleable does that then become? Mm. Yeah, you, you can in principle, it comes quite difficult when you're getting at that point where you're actually mixing residential and, and, and commercial sites together. Sounds very similar to that situation where uh, someone applies to build a bus stop in your back garden and planning regulations say that it's fine. <laughs> but you know, legally, it's a completely different issue. Anyway, yeah, and, and, do you, and do you want a bus stop in your back garden? Uh, well, exactly. And well, you know, if someone else applies for it, then you know, I I can then I can't argue it in a planning context because it doesn't get, it doesn't contravene any planning regulations, but it does in legal terms, and that's you know that's that's the issue there. Thank you for answering the question. I, I was wondering, Alex. Like one thing I've seen, I, I we've never been involved in, in commercial lending. In my business, but I know we, we get a lot of clients loft and ask us about how oh, can we use other assets as collateral. And I know with, with commercial re- lending, am I right in saying a lot of lenders look for things like personal guarantees as well? Is that something that, that comes up quite a bit? Yeah, no, oh, definitely. It's it's an interesting one because the question from the client is, well, wait a minute, you know, they're taking they're, they're charging me interest, they're charging me fees. This is the business then, and they want security as well. I mean, what else do you want? So there's that gap sometimes, I think, Phil, between what you want and what you need. Yeah. So the lender will always, the lender will ask for security, right? 
So they want security, but do they need security? Yeah. Right? The client does not want to give security, but, but are they willing to give security? So again, for the client, there's that gap between, I don't want to give security, but to make this deal happen, I will give security. Yeah. We, we've, we've got one on our desk at the moment, which is a fantastic transaction. And, you know, we've been offered personal guarantees supported by charges over the, over the client's residential house. But it's quite interesting because the lender is, is thinking, this is great that the client's willing to put the house on the market. Sorry, put the house on the line for us. But do we want to take the house? Yeah. Is there anything else you can offer us? Because we'd rather not put your residential house at risk. So yeah, because the last thing they want is to be in that situation where you know, they're turning up on somebody's doorstep. Yeah. And they're evicting uh, you, yeah. Yeah, but the obvious question sometimes, and, and again, if you look at it from the lender's point of view, when you, you know, a client comes and says, I've got this deal, this is a fantastic deal, this is such a safe deal, and then you say, okay, give us some security, and they go, no, I'm not willing to give you security. Well, why not? Because you've told us this is, this is so great. So, so, so the lender's sitting there going, well, if this is such a great deal and we should be doing this deal all day long, why is the client not willing to yeah. put, put, some, put some skin in the game? You see, just now, Alex, what, what kind of interest rates? I know this might be a, a difficult one to ask and it yeah. would depend on circumstances, but roughly, what, what kind of interest rates are you looking at on commercial mortgages and what sort of fees do people tend to have to pay on those as well? Yeah, so tend to have an arrangement fee on commercial lending, which tends to be a ballpark around about 1.5%. You will find that the margins are usually maybe two or three percent more than you would expect, maybe on a on a personal lend. Yeah. Well, right. And again, just comes back to what I was saying earlier in terms of the and if that asset has to be recovered, then you know there's it's a lot easier to uh, sell on a house if you need to uh, to pay off a debt and sell on a a shop yeah. or a garage or you know, a, a commercial. So so that extra risk is reflected in the extra margin. So I would say, yeah, you're probably sitting around about maybe in the in the fives. Yeah. You know, but again, that one I was referencing earlier, that's on a margin of 2.8% because it's, you know, it's such a such a, a, a good deal. Yeah. And again, you will also see some insecure stuff, you know, sevens, eights, nines. It's interesting, though, isn't it? People sort of flippantly saying, you know, in, in general public conversation, I will bet my house on this. And <laughs> when it comes down to it, uh, a lot more people are, are, are very reluctant to do so. You touched on this earlier, but just as a reminder, what sort of documentation are lenders looking for when you're taking out a commercial mortgage? You will usually be asked for, well, you, you, you'll be asked for some historic numbers. So that, that would tend to be accounts, equity accounts, are maybe the previous year's accounts, you will potentially be asked for some uh, management figures, internal management accounts. So again, this is about, John, this is about the show and tell. Yeah. So show me, you know, you, you've told me that you're going to be able to service this, now show me the evidence of that, right, in terms of numbers. You will tend to be asked for maybe some, some bank statements, potentially a personal statement of assets and liabilities, just to understand the personal means of, of, of the clients. And then further down the line, once you get into the into the, the, the deal, then there'll be valuations required. But again, it, it's, 
I come back that you know the principles are the same in terms of personal and commercial, in terms of you know impersonal your evidence, evidence and the ability to service, which is probably through pay slips and P60s. On the commercial side, you're doing it through the the, the angle accounts. I, I was having a look on your your website, Alex, and I noticed that one of the things you do is asset finance. I was just wondering if you'd be able to explain what that is and how it works. Yeah, so. The great thing about this this job, Phil, is, is that there's a lot of really difficult, difficult acronyms and there's a lot of stuff that's really simple. So asset finance, again, it's exactly what it says in the tin. It's, it's specific finance for a specific asset purchase. So I'm, I'm a great believer in raising money in the right way that fits that purpose. So if you're, if you're, if you're looking to purchase a vehicle for your business, a piece of kit, a piece of machinery, what you can offer is you can offer security over that asset on a facility that's tied into the lifetime of that asset. Yeah. So if it's a car, you know, it's maybe going to be over four years. If it's a if it's a bus, it's maybe going to be over 10 years. You know, you're yeah. not you're, it's unlikely you're going, you're wanting to do a car loan over 10 years. As yeah. as well. So you so you so you try and tie it into into, into the lifetime of the asset and, and you offer security over that asset yeah. through the term. For, for our listeners, Alex, what is your, your website address? Can you, you give that to, to the listeners in case anybody wants to, to have a look at it? Absolutely, drummondfinance.com. It was nice and, nice and easy one. Nice and easy. I'm a simple guy. I, when I was on the, the website, now I, I know what this is, but I, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners probably won't, but one, one thing I noticed that you do as well is invoice financing. Can you, yeah. you tell us a wee bit about that? Sure, sure. Yeah, we're, we're seeing more and more invoice finance. Well, so invoice finance is, is 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 funding the working capital, the day-to-day cash requirements of a business. So, if you're a business, you want a contract, you complete the contract, you issue an invoice. That invoice has maybe got thirty-day terms on it, and you get maybe get to day thirty-five, and you're having to chase it out because it maybe takes another five or six days to get paid thereafter. So you've got thirty. 40, maybe beyond that, days of actually working capital in that business to fund while you're waiting to be paid. And that's wages, that's rent, that's fuel, electricity, whatever it may be. The invoice finance facility allows you to borrow against that specific invoice. So if you've got an invoice for £10,000 going out on day one, you will be able to borrow, let's say, £7,500 against that invoice into your account on day one to fund your working capital. And then when that invoice gets paid on day 30, 40, wherever it may be, the invoice is paid, the £7,500 initially borrowed yep. is repaid, plus interest for the number of days borrowed. So I say it's, it's, it, works, it works very much. It's, 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 it's so common out there. It's a great facility because as a business grows, the, the amount of work you get grows, the amount of money you're waiting, the invoices that go out grows, the money you're waiting to be paid grows. So that working capital required grows with it. Yeah. And that's how invoice finance works. I guess it'd be a great facility, especially in the northeast of Scotland, with all these big oil companies, because I know they'll tend to, you, you might have terms to pay in, say, 30 days, but their terms might be 60 or 90. So I guess it's a good yeah. facility for companies locally. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, you, you hear a lot locally, you hear a lot nationally around the time taken to pay, especially by a, by a lot of the bigger companies. Yeah. Now, 
without making an excuse, they've got bigger processes to go through. But you know, I think you've, you know, I've heard accusations from from some of the smaller clients that you know we, they're basically borrowing the money from us. Yeah. Right. But as I say, you're sitting there. It's great. I've won this contract, and that's fantastic to win a contract. But you've got to get paid for that contract. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's how the invoice finance supports that. You, you mentioned you've got access to over. 100 lenders, Alex. What yeah. sort of lenders do you, you tend to deal with for the various things? It depends what the deal looks like, Phil. I mean, I think there's... It, 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 I, for me, it's, a, it's as important to know who not to go to as to know who, who go to, yeah. right? So different funders have different appetites and you can spend an awful lot of time speaking to people who it's really not their, yeah. their bag. Right? I guess so one we, of the... One of the good things about somebody coming to the likes of yourself is you know the market, you know who to approach. Save it would save them a lot of time trying yeah. to do it themselves. And I, I suppose another good thing, like locally, I know a lot of the banks are closing. You don't have access to, to sort of business banking managers in a lot of areas now. So I guess that that would all be sort of good things for yourself, is it? It is. It is. I mean, we do. We do. You know, coming back to the original question, we deal with high street banks. We deal with what I would call some of the secondary lenders that people will have heard of. And then, you know, we've got some really specialist funders in terms of sectors or in terms of specific projects, as you say, asset finance, invoice finance. But a big part of the business is actually knowing and understanding what goes on. And, you know, you, you'll go out to some of these industrial units in and around town and it's not until you, I'm not an engineer, so it's not, you, it's not until you actually go out there and they show you what they do that you get a real understanding of it. And... You know, I think the best example I had was 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 a client who produces a bit of an oil, oil rig, which is called the Christmas tree, and he phones up his bank, <laughs> saying that he's won this new order for Christmas trees. <laughs> I'm like, okay, where are they going? And they're going out to an oil rig, and this is just they're just you know some guy in a call center in Leicestershire, wherever, just could not get their hands head around. They didn't know the oil and gas sector. They couldn't see it. They couldn't touch it. And sorry, you, you're servicing Christmas trees. <laughs> so if you know if a lender doesn't know or understand a business, it, it's, there's no way it's going to yeah. get sanctioned. When, when we chatted on the phone just recently, you, you mentioned that you do buy delets and property development deals on investment properties. Is that more for limited companies, or, or do you tend to do a mix of like limited company lending and sort of like personal buy delets as well, Alex? We do do personal buy-to-lets, but we are seeing more and more of buy-to-lets going into limited companies. Yeah. And, that, and I guess that, you know, a lot of that is driven by a lot of the changes in regulations around tax, tax yeah. uh, mortgage interest relief, et cetera, et cetera, that, you're, that people are not getting if, if the facility is in their personal name. So, yeah, we are, we are seeing more and more people either buying through a limited company or moving their portfolios into them. Yeah. Just going back to invoice financing for a, yeah. a little a little bit, is is that something that a company would look to implement once off the back of a big contract or is it a, a monthly thing where they take it in and they, and they roll it out just so they have that sense of security? You can do both, but it tends to be, it tends to be the second one. It tends to be, it, it, it tends to be an ongoing facility that really, I mean, growth is yeah. really important because what growth 
creates growth, creates a working capital requirement, right? To me, a, to me, a business is like a child, right? As that, you know, I, I, and, you know, I, when it's a baby, you, it doesn't need fed much. See, when it's a teenager, oh my goodness, you, get, you, you know, there's just not enough food in the house to, to keep it going. I know, I'm right? It just consumes, consumes, consumes. <laughs> and a business growth can, can be like that, mm. right? But you can, John. You you, you know you, you you can do specific one-off facilities mm. uh, against a specific invoice. It's it, it's more expensive, but it can be done. Yeah, I, I was just thinking it's it's more over over a period of continual growth, isn't it? Where you you're simply trying to keep that money coming through the business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just finally, Alex, just to come back to this by way of summary, if someone's looking to access commercial lending, where's the best place to start? Well, the best place to start is Trumpet Finance, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think speak 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 to your bank if you could if you if you if you're able to speak to your bank, then 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 speak to your bank because you know at the end of the day, if, if you if your bank can give you all that you need and all, all that you desire, then then there's you know there's there's no need to, to to speak to a broker, and if you speak to your bank. Even give a broker a call just to say, "Look, I've got this offer. What do you think?" And you know, quite often it'll be just that reassurance, especially if you're doing this for the first time. That actually, yeah, you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. Speak to your bank. Speak to your advisors. Whether that's your solicitor, whether that's your, your branch advisor, whether that's your business gateway. Speak to your support network. Okay, that's a very honest answer, I have to say, and, and I commend you for forgiving it because you could just you could just left it. it come straight to drum and finance. <laughs> Phil, Phil and I once did a show of mortgages, and we said uh, it was what was it a ten step ten step to mortgage success, Phil, and you were just going to go for three, which was yeah, one. I know what was it. We almost did the episode in sixty seconds, and I thought <laughs> all, all you need to know is if if you're looking for a mortgage, one contact us. Two, let us do the hard work. Three, enjoy your new home. I guess that's a wee bit like you said. You know, it, it's almost like that for, for like the commercial lending. It's like, one, get in touch with Alex. Two, let him do all the hard work. Three, carry on with your business. I, I guess that's one thing. Like you, you want business owners, you want them to be running the business. I, I know of myself as a business owner, I don't want to be spending all my time looking into different options. I want to be doing the things that I'm good at so that, that's where yeah. like alex takes the, the pain out of it mm. yeah yeah i mean i have to say and this is maybe a reflection of how i was and I, I was as a banker as i had no concept as a banker how much time and effort i was asking clients to go through in terms of getting everything together so we would just say just get up for us and, and you know a week later it would appear right and it was only since i set the business up that i've realized a huge part of my business fell is just saying to people, you know what, let me take it off your desk. Yeah. You get on with what you're good at, right? And what pays the bills. And let me get on with what I'm good at. And let's sit down next week and discuss it further. Yeah. I have to say, Alison, and, and you know, I'm not sort of blowing smoke up here or anything, but a bit like Phil, I mean, I sit here and I, I we have various guests in the show and I sit here and I listen to everyone. You sound like you come from a genuine place of wanting to help the person that you are serving. Again, I would commend you for that. Right, Phil, as we enter into the part of the show where you share your own life story, what have you got regarding this one in commercial lending? I've had a commercial mortgage before. It's paid off now, but I I never had it very long. I borrowed 50 grand on on an office worth about 100. And jeepers, I couldn't believe the amount of stuff they asked. I'm thinking... If this was ever to get repossessed, they'll get their money back easily. <laughs> but um, jeepers, it was they, they kept asking for more stuff. It was with the Bank of Scotland. 
Oh, I know it, it. It could be frustrating when they kept coming back. Oh, we need this. Yeah. We want this, and it's like jeepers. So um, I've been there and done it myself, and that's why using somebody like Alex is, is mm-hmm. definitely the way to go. And I must say, Alex, you, you've been great today. And I mean, you were saying this is your the first podcast you've ever done. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you've done might be the last. <laughs> <laughs> for, for our for, for our listeners as well, if anybody was wanting to contact yourself, what's the the best way to, to get in touch? Yeah, so if you go onto my website, if you go into drummondfinance.com, you will see contact details there in terms of uh, phone numbers, in terms of emails. You can email us direct at borrow at drummondfinance.com. Where are we, Phil? We're uh, 80, 88 episodes in. I don't think we've ever driven anybody off the podcasting map just in one episode, <laughs> have we? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we've quite done that just yet. But, you know, you could be the first, Alex. I doubt it, though. We all do this bit as well. I mean, you find inspiration through various people you admire, Phil, and you love a quote. What have you got in the subject of today's show on commercial lending? Yeah, I've got a Warren Buffett quote today. Investing is laying out money now to get back more in the future. And I guess with that, like if you're borrowing money, it's usually an investment because you're wanting to try and get more of a return. So that's where I, I got the quote from this week. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in a second. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. I also have a question at the end that we sent in as well. So my husband and I have just bought a commercial property in cash through our company. We have permission to convert the, uh, the, the back into a flat, leaving the front as a smaller commercial. So we'll have two units. This is like the sewing machine I started brought earlier. This sounds intriguing. When all this is done, we plan to pull our, our money out and hopefully some profit too by mortgaging one or both units and then keeping both and letting them out for the long term. But for now, we're working out the best way to finance the development, exploring what our options are, and in particular, trying to avoid super expensive and cumbersome to agree development or bridging finance. I know that we'd likely be able to get 100% of the development finance, but are there cheaper approaches? We have some cash left, but that won't be neat enough to do all the work. We have money in, is that S&P 500? Is that what that says yeah. there, Phil? S&P yeah. 500, you'll have to explain that to me in a second, but we are reluctant to take it out because it's doing okay and we want to be diversified as you always advise. We also have equity in the home where we live. I'm mentioning this because I'm pretty sure that borrowing on this in our personal name and director loaning it to the company will be much cheaper than development finance as a company. Any suggestions of things to consider pitfalls to avoid, et cetera, would be much appreciated, Phil. Best regards, Romana. Okay, Phil, actually, feel free to weigh in on this as well, Alex. If you need me to repeat that question, I will, because it's quite lengthy. <laughs> Probably, like, for, from my side, like, if you're borrowing money on a residential mortgage, lenders don't like it if it's for business purposes. So, so that angle, try to think, right? I mean, in theory, it's a good idea. You think, right, I can use some of the equity in my house to do whatever, but lenders just didn't seem to like that at all. So that would make that side quite difficult. I don't know, Alex, any any ideas from your end for, for that one? Yeah, I mean, I think just to cut on the, I think the word that was used was expensive in terms of development, bridging finance. Yeah, so it's expensive, more expensive than doing a buy to let as an example, right? But it's because there's more risk. And if, if you look at that proposal in Romana's question, you know, what she didn't say is we have somebody at the end to take these units 
mm. you know, buy or sell. So, so there's that development risk that's through there. And so it's more expensive, but it, but it's more expensive because because there's there's more risk. And, and that cost of funds should be a key part of that business plan. In terms of do I do or do I do it as a director's loan or do I do it as a as a commercial loan? Again, I'll say, you know, I'm I'm not an accountant. You need to speak to your accountant to understand the implications around the director's loans. But yeah, I I, I think it can be expensive, it can be cumbersome, but it does reflect there's a lot of risk in there, especially if it's a first-time developer, then you know that that's that's something that the lenders just are quite nervous about. Going back, John, when when you mentioned the S and P five hundred, that's yes. um, like a stock market index. I thought that might be what it was. So the the money in there would probably be in stocks and shares. And yeah, if if thing, I mean, at the minute, a lot of stock markets are quite volatile just now. But it might be. I know a lot of people won't want to dip into that. But if you did have money there, it might be an option to look at taking some of that out, even just for a short term. But then. Like I say, you have to watch. If you're taking money out of that when things are down, that's not not such a good time to be be taking out. And try to time when to take that out or put it back in is a, a really difficult thing as well. Yeah, I should just say we, we're reluctant to take it out because it's doing okay, and we want to be diversified. As you always yeah. advise, she's obviously a, a regular listener to the show because you do always say that. Uh, but if it's doing okay, maybe maybe now is a time to to. Yeah, that's and, yeah. I mean, it, it, depending on all the, the other options, you may have to, to kind of yeah. look at, at that. Okay. Uh, next is from Jamie in Kirkcaldy. Is commercial property purchase via a SIP a good idea? Forgive me if I pronounced that wrong. Okay, again, commercial property. So jump in either of you, and whoever does, maybe start by reminding us what a, a SIP or an SIPP is, because as you know, I just love all the acronyms. Yeah, SIP, is, it stands for a self-invested personal pension. And I would say, yeah, it is worth considering it. Um, one, one of the major advantages of buying a commercial property through your SIP is you don't pay any capital gains tax when you sell it. And you also don't have income tax to pay on the, the rental income. Another thing with a SIP is you are able to borrow up to 50% of the value of the SIP as well. So sometimes, no, it's not for everyone, but for some folk, it, it certainly might be a good idea. And anything you'd like to, to add there as well, Alex? Yeah, I, I, I would endorse what you're saying. The only thing I would add from a lender's point of view is SIP lending tends to be a more longer and drawn out process yeah. because there's there's a, a lot of back and forward between the, between the trustees and the pension administrators to ensure that rules are being followed. So, you know, I actually, funnily enough, was speaking to a client this morning who was asking me about SIP funding. And, you know, the first question I ask is, when is this required? And he said, I'm looking at November and that's fine because, it, you know, I have seen it taken up to six months. Yeah. So give yourself plenty of notice if you're looking to do it through your SIP. Yeah, good advice. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a, a fair few topics so far and we may well have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thank you to Alex Drummond from Drummond Finance for being our guest, drummondfinance.com if you didn't get it Thank earlier. You. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community 
on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks very much, John. Thanks again for coming on, Alex. No problem.